How we doing? I am your host, Robert T. Gardner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob. Welcome to Station B.O.B. And let me tell you a little about thee. I am a kid from a Harlem hood who turned out good. I got educated like I should. Now I know how to help you grow to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. With that said, I am here to provide you with some clarity associated with the perplexity of the challenges in your life, love, and work. So, without further ado, let's get down on it. Enjoy the show. Ah, yes. How we doing? Welcome once again, my friend, to Station B.O.B., where you listen to learn how to become the best of your being in life, love and work. I'm your host, Dr. Rob. And as always, I'm very happy and excited to be here with you today to discuss another top topic for this podcast. But first, I'd like to wish everybody a happy and healthy holiday season. We just wound up with Thanksgiving and I hope everybody found something to eat and something that they like to eat as well. Today's topic is child abuse and you. Now you might ask, well, why is it child abuse and you? I've never been abused. Well, if you haven't, at this point in the game, I'm sure you probably, if you have not been abused as a child, I'm sure you may have known somebody of her or heard a story about somebody who has been abused as a child. And child abuse is a very, very serious topic, and it is a prolific um, scenario in the life we live, and somebody may be getting abused right now as we speak. And so today I have with me a special guest. She's been here before. She's my my daughter, and she appeared on this podcast on the topic regarding My Child is Gay, WTF. But she's back for another reason, because she's also have had, has had another type of experience uh, coming up in the world. I was married to her mother for several years and we parted ways sometime around 2003 I believe it was yes February 2003 and after and things were safe and sound in the house as far as I knew but after my departure things began to happen to my daughter so I'd like to bring her back and give her a chance to say hello and then we'll get started to the show Taylor welcome to the show say hello to the people and how you doing Thanks for having me again, Dad. I'm doing good. Okay. Okay. Well, I got chills when you said, thanks for having me again, Dad. I feel like I'm doing something special. So before I start this show, I just want to also point out that this discussion of child child abuse for this podcast episode is in no way intended to cast any aspersions on the other parent who abused my daughter. 
My daughter has requested to tell her story in an effort to continue her healing process in the hopes that her story may help somebody else who has been a victim of child abuse. And with that said, let's get the show rolling. Okay, Taylor, so um, let's just go back. I parted ways with um, your mother in February 2003. That was a difficult time for me um, because or as much as I wanted to part ways with her, I did not want to part ways with you. I always wanted to be a father and always wanted to have a daughter as my firstborn. And lo and behold, I became a father and I had, and I had a daughter as my firstborn, which is you. And so when I parted ways um, from your mother, I left the house on a day that you, she was taking you to school and she was leaving for work. And although she knew I was going to leave, but she did not know when I was going to leave because I was trying to reduce the drama that would have been associated with that situation. And so I left when you were three years old. And uh, since we're talking about child abuse, you were three at the time. And so when, you know, as far as you can remember, did you start feeling like maybe a spanking or punishment was a little more than a spanking or punishment? Like, in other words, when did you start feeling or thinking that this might be, uh, you know, a little extra? Um, I didn't realize it. Like, it was happening, but I didn't realize it until I got older. And I would think back on it. But thinking back on it, um, it started when I was really young. And I realized that for my age, my size at the time, um, it was excessive. So I wouldn't. Re- I didn't realize it in the moment. I realized it once I would think back on it when I was thinking about the things that she did. Okay, well, I'm going to start with a, a time that I remember you were nine years old, and I remember picking you up f- um, for another weekend as I, you know, had parenting time with Taylor every other weekend. And so I remember that we were eating in Boston Market, and you said to me, um, Dad, I, had, I have to tell you something. And um, I was like, okay. And, and you told me that, you had uh, raised or spoke out of turn at school or something, and the teacher called your mother, and then um, I think she came to school to get you or something. You can fill in the blanks. But at any rate, you said when you got home, your mother went upstairs to the, the pantry and she took out some soap. Do you remember that? Yes. So, So talk about that and then let us know if you were, you know, feeling abused prior to that time or we can pick up at that time. Well, I was in the third grade because I was nine years old and I did speak out of turn in class, but it wasn't to be disruptive. It was because we're talking about something interesting and I had something to get off my chest because I enjoy school. I like when we have class discussions. So it was something that made me excited. I didn't mean to do it. It was just me wanting to be an involved student, and my teacher did call home. So when I got home, she put a bar of soap in my mouth and also beat me with the belt while the soap was in my mouth. And that's when I started noticing that the punishment was getting a little more severe, and then from then it would just continue to escalate. Wow. 
So, of course, when you shared that with me at the Boston Market, I I was mortified when you told me that your mother put soap in your mouth and spanked you and and for the reason that you said that you spoke out of turn, which is something that we gardeners do. We get excited and we interrupt people when we talk. And I know when I was in the third and fourth grade, I spoke out of turn often because none of my other classmates would speak. And I wanted to answer that question as well. So what other type of things, you know, started happening to you um, after that? Because as I remember, I've just got to tell a quick story that I called, you know, the Child Protective Services um, on, you know, about that. And I remember that two weeks later, when, when it was my turn to see you again, I was very excited to see you. And um, I came to get you from the uh, recreation center. And what I found on that day, you know, your mother was telling me that, you know, Taylor is not going with you today. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? I have big plans for her. It's my weekend. She said, well, she's not going with you today. So what happened, you know, during that two-week period between me, you know, you telling me about the soap, being put in your mouth and you got spanked and I called uh, Dyfus and then two weeks go by and then you don't want to be with me and I'm thinking that I'm about to find out what has happened in that house over the past two weeks. What happened during those two weeks that you would tell me two weeks later that you did not want to go with me? Uh, You know, it's crazy. I remember every story vividly, but nothing happened. She would forced me to say that um, that I don't want to see you. And I remember that day because I had a basketball game that morning and you were coming to get me from my game. So I had no idea of what was in her mind, what her plans were. Um, so when the game was done, I was excited to see you. And when all that stuff was happening, I was acting out of confusion. I didn't know which parent to go to because we were in public. Uh, she was making a scene. And it was just being so young, I didn't know what to do. And being that I lived with her and was scared of her, I was just trying to side with her so I could save myself. But I never not wanted to go with you. So let me ask you this. So between the time that I had left you up, because I believe when I dropped you off, Dyfus was at your house at that time when you had reported the soap um, situation to me. And so for those, for the, from that moment on until I was scheduled to see you again two weeks later, I was really very anxious and concerned about what might happen to you after you told me what happened, you know, that soap was put in your mouth and that you got a spanking. And so you were not told during that time, you know, to tell me that you didn't want to be with me, like nothing happened regarding that? No, nothing happened during that time. She was just mad that Dyfus was at the house, but she didn't say anything to me about your about your weekend coming up or anything. The day of the game, it was a surprise for everyone. I didn't know that she was going to do that. After the game, I was looking forward to seeing you, and when all that stuff happened, it kind of broke my heart because I never not, not wanted to see you. 
Well, I have to tell you, aside from, you know, the time that my mother died and my sister died, that was one of the saddest weekends in my life, you know, just to kind of tell the story. What happened was Taylor was playing basketball um, at a rec center where she lived, and so it was my weekend to come pick her up. So I went to pick her up, and her mother told me she's not um, – going with you this weekend. So I'm like, well, what are you talking about? It's my weekend. She's going with me. And now keep in mind, I'm, I'm like dying to see her and talk with her about what she may have experienced over the past two weeks since she had reported to me that her mother put soap in her mouth and spanked her. And so I'm, I'm just like, oh, my God, I, I couldn't wait to see her. So the mother tells me that she's not going with you this weekend and um, I'm like, okay, well, we'll see about that. So then Taylor's game is over, and I'm talking to her. I'm like, so, hey, you know, we're going to go see Aunt Sally. It's her birthday today. And, you know, Taylor, she said to me, well, Dad, I'm, I'm, I want to see you, but I'm not, you know, staying overnight. And so I'm like, what? I'm just shocked. So I'll never forget. The, you know, I'm talking to the mother about this. She, you know, I get up close in her face because I'm like, this is crazy. I don't know what you're doing and I don't want to make a scene, but I'm talking close up in her face because we were at a rec center on a Saturday morning that was filled to capacity with families, little kids. So I'm not trying to make a scene. So I'm telling her, listen, I'm taking my daughter. This is my weekend. And then the mother yells out, call the cops. And all of the men in the gym come after me. And they say, hey, what you doing? We're not living like that up here. We're not living like that. I'm like, I don't care about how you're living. This is my weekend, and I'm taking my daughter, and y'all need to mind your business. And so then my daughter comes back, and I'm trying to leave the gym. I have her by one hand, and her mother has her by one, the other hand, and we are pulling on her. It's like a tug of war, and I feel my daughter's hand pulling away from me, and at the same time, I'm arguing with the mother. I'm shocked feeling my daughter slip away, and she runs away and says, Daddy, I'm not going with you. Leave Mommy alone, and I, I'm like, Taylor, I was... I was devastated. So what was happening right then and there in the midst of my devastation? What were you thinking telling me that you're not going with me? I was scared. I lived with her. That's who I spent every single day with, and I knew the things that she did to me. So I was just trying to play good cop, I guess. Well, you know, you did a good job. I have to tell you, you did a good job of doing that because you you have to you had to protect yourself. And I have to tell you, that when I left that center after you um, ran away or to the other side, actually she ran to the other side of the gym, and then the people were protecting her from me. And so at this point, I am brokenhearted. And I drew, I left the rec center. I cried all the way home, and while I'm crying, I called my wife, and 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 I told her, I said, babe, Taylor doesn't want to be with me. And, you know, my wife said, 
you know Taylor wants to be with you, but she is with her mother and she has to do what her mother wants her to do so that she could survive in that situation. And she was 100% right. I was just in survival mode because I knew that if I would have said I wanted to go with my dad, my life would have been hell up until the next time I saw you. Well, I I tell you what my wife said really helped me tremendously because up to that point we had had such a bond. I mean, you was like, you know, my best little friend, you know, in life. And for me to see that, I, I could not understand it. It was devastating. And like I said, I was crying. I cried all the way home. But my wife told me that you did what you had to do. And as an adult, I understood that. You know, so and then then in the weeks to come, you know, I would I would call you, you know, prior to coming because I didn't want to have that happen again. I mean, I I had to drive 60 miles uh, to come and get you. And and that was okay with me. But I didn't want to drive, you know, take that drive if you were not going to, you know, come. So several weeks after that. On on many of my visits going forward, I would call you and um, you would tell me, your mother would put you on the phone and you would say, Dad, I didn't want to go with you. So what was happening? What was happening then? She was just an angry person. I don't know if she got some type of joy from watching me do that. But do, do what? Tell Tell me that I don't want to see you. I don't, that was never my idea. That was never my intentions. I never not wanted to sue. You were the only outlet I had from the house. And I always look forward to um to being with you. So whenever she did that, it would just break my heart. So can you share with the audience some of the other things that you, you know, experienced? Because now at this point, this situation, you know, um, it it worked itself out over time. But. What type of other things did you experience with your mother in terms of, you know, you understanding that, hey, this is a little more or this is feeling, you know, very painful? Um, I mean, it was so much stuff. I have stories that will probably last years for me to tell. But one thing that she used to do that I noticed was excessive was we growing up um, in North Jersey, me and her lived in a townhouse. So... Um, in the townhouse, it was three floors. The first floor was a garage and like a back room. The second floor was the living room and the kitchen. And the third floor was the bedrooms. So the first floor was near the garage in the front door. So it was in the winter, it was cold because the back door is right there. It wasn't that big of an area down there. So what she would do was make me stay in the back room. And in that room was only a futon couch and a TV that didn't work. And I think an exercise machine. And I don't know why she would make me do that, but she would just use that as one of her punishment methods, I guess. And I would sleep down there for days. I would have to eat on her time when I came home from school and basketball practice. Um, I wasn't allowed to go in the kitchen. I had to go straight to the room, and she brought the food down for me. Um, it didn't matter if I was hungry, came home from school, wanted a snack. I was I was too scared. I was young. Um I was just trying to follow all the directions I could up until it stopped. In the in the winter, the room was cold. It was no heat down there. So I was on a futon with a little blanket, like the type of blankets that you fold and put on the end of your bed. Um, no pillows. 
And that's when I realized that it has to be something more that's bothering her because as a kid growing up, I wasn't bad. I always was a straight-A student. I played every sport that you could think of. So I was always involved. I never really got in trouble. So for her to be doing the things that she did to me, I growing up, the one thing I did know was that this wasn't me. I knew that this, there's no way that this is my fault. So... Like when you said that you had to go into the room, you know, the back room with the futon, like what what would you do that would cause her to send you to, you know, this cold room in, in the wintertime? I couldn't even tell you because I never was a bad child, so I couldn't even answer that to tell you what would be so bad for her to send me off to a basement for four and five days in a row with no food. When you, what do you mean no food? She, you, well, she would feed me, but on her time. Not if you said, Ma, I'm hungry, then... There was there was no I'm hungry. She brought the food when she brought it. I couldn't go upstairs for a snack, and I don't want to find out what would happen if I tried to. When she wasn't home, when I would come home from school, and she would still be at work, because I always knew what time she got off or around what time she would get there. So I would make sure I got home on time so I could sneak in some TV and snacks before she got home so that I wasn't hungry and had to wait on her to cook dinner. Wow. Okay, we're going to take a moment to step aside for a promo. I have to let a promo in, and when we pick up on the other side, we'll continue the story with Taylor. Relationship Readiness Life and Work Preparedness Services, the place you come to for coaching, consulting, and counseling in life, love, and work. We are a multi-purpose service organization that will coach you up, educate, guide, and motivate you to succeed. We provide management training and consulting services for all businesses in the areas of employee relations, unionized employees, progressive discipline, the annual review process, and emotional intelligence to develop effective leaders for your organization. And our relationship counseling services for individuals, couples, groups show you how to become relationship ready with improved self-esteem, resilience, and self-awareness. To learn more about our programs and services, please contact Robert T. Gardner Jr. by email at changeagentrtg at gmail.com or request a meeting for a free one-hour consultation at relationshipreadiness.org. Thank you, and let's go back to Station B.O.B. Okay, welcome back. We are here with Taylor, and she's sharing some of her stories about growing up in an abusive situation um, at home. Well, Taylor, I remember, you know, one thing that you told me a while back that that got my attention. I think you had told, you know, I wanted you to share with the audience. Talk about some of the stories how you might be at basketball practice or have on a certain article of clothing that maybe you shouldn't have wore or you didn't fold it up or something when you put it down and how when you would come home from from basketball practice, your mother would drive real fast and, um, um, you know, she drove real fast and, uh, smack you and things at every stop sign or red light. Do you re- remember what happened there? Um, I remember one incident. So when I was in middle school, I ran track basically all my life. I played basketball basically all my life up until college. So I was at track practice one day. I think I was in the fifth or sixth grade, 
And a popular store that me and my friends, like a lot of kids used to shop at, was Hollister. So everybody always wanted new jeans, uh, Hollister hoodies, zip-up, stuff like that. That was, like, popular back then. So she just bought me a new Hollister zip-up, and I wore it to track practice. So the way the track was set up, there was a fence that we all kept our stuff on so we didn't have it on the floor. So I hung my hood up on the top of the fence. So I was running in practice, and... It was had to be like March, April, like right when it starts getting back warm out, but it's still kind of chilly when it gets nighttime. So it was a little bit windy. So I think my hoodie had blue on the ground, but I was running laps around the track practicing for our meet. So I wasn't aware of what was going on by where our stuff was at. So after practice was over, I heard somebody calling my name, but we were in the huddle for my uh for the team because practice was over at the end of every practice we got in a huddle we talked about next practice and what we did good and bad in that practice what we need to work on etc so I heard somebody calling my name so I'm looking and my coach is telling me to pay attention but it sounds like my mom so he doesn't know what I have to go through only I do so I'm looking for her so that I can avoid any drama when I go back home so I heard her calling me and she did like motion with her finger like when you're telling somebody to come here so I went over there and basically she was telling me to get my stuff and to come to the car but I was telling her that practice wasn't over yet and she kind of gave me that look you know the look black parents give their kids I think we could all relate to that that look we all probably experienced it so I got my stuff and I left and we got in the car she basically didn't say nothing the whole ride home I'm asking her what did I do wrong? Am I in trouble? And she's not answering me at all. She's ignoring me. And my um, the high school that we practiced at was right down the street from my house, down the street and around the corner. And I remember she wasn't answering none of my questions. I'm talking to her. She's ignoring me. And we got to a red light, and she just backhanded me in the mouth. So I started tearing up, because one, because it hurt, and two, because this isn't the first time that she's done things like this. And I was just, every time it happened, I would, my feelings would just be hurt. So when we got home, she basically started yelling at me and told me I was irresponsible. Um, I don't care about my stuff. I don't treat my things um, that like I care about them. And I was just confused because I was running track the whole time. I wasn't in control of what happened to my stuff on the fence. And all I remember was her storming up the steps. And every time she did that, I knew she was going to get a belt. That's just what she did. So I just started crying because I already knew what was coming. And she came downstairs, and I remember every time she came back down the stairs, she would roll the belt around her hand, and she had one hand on my body. And I think at the time I had to be, like, 4'11". And I never really was a a thick kid. I was always skinny, um, short. So I was, like, 4'11". And she was holding me down on the couch so that I couldn't move. And she was just beating me and beating me and beating me and just yelling at me about how um, she's never going to buy me ever, anything ever again because I don't treat it like I care about it. And I just remember when she was done beating me, I just sat on the couch and cried for like an hour. Wow. So now I'm wondering because, you know, as your father, I'm you know, having visits with you for every other weekend. And you were not sharing any of this with me. You did tell me about the soap and, you you know, in your mouth situation. And I remember, you know, when I called Dyfus 
and they came to the house and talked to me. They said, you know, Mr. Gardner, this is bad, but, you know, there's no black and blue. In other words, what Diapers was saying that they only respond or take action if the child has black and blue marks on them. Never mind the black and blue marks, they go away. But the emotional damage, the emotional scars from child abuse, they may never go away. So think about that. And so what happened that you didn't share this with me, you know, um, on your week on your on on your weekends when we spent time together? Um, to be honest, it probably either slipped my mind or I forgot because there was stuff going on literally in between every single weekend before you came to get me. It was there was never a week that went by that I had a good week with her. And that was for eight, nine years straight. So if I missed a couple stories, it was probably because it was other stuff going on that she did. And it would just either outweigh the last incident or I would just try to forget about it. Um, Sometimes I would shut down because talking about it made me upset because I just never understood why I had to go through this. So what's happening uh, to you at school? Are you are your grades suffering? Are you? Um, not focused on class. What like what's happening? You know, as a result of you know the uh, I don't know whether to call them spankings or beatings. No, or, they were beatings. Oh, wasn't okay. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, I guess you you <laughs> clarified that. So, what's happening now? I mean, you're at school. Did you ever think about you know telling a teacher, or a nurse, or or anybody? Because those are the people who are there to help you. Um, in times of when there's no place else to go. So you don't tell your father, what are you thinking during those times? Well, to answer the the first question, um, I was always good at separating from what was going on at home with my outside life. I never let it affect school. I never had bad grades growing up. I actually enjoyed school. It's just doing the work that I never liked, and I'm pretty sure that's for most kids. But I enjoyed school, so I never let it affect my grades. School was, aside from being with you and playing sports, school was my only other outlet to be happy because I saw all my friends in the same day, all of them at the same time. They made me laugh. So I was never really in a bad mood at school, so I never really let what was going on at home affect it. Like, I would go to school sad. But by the end of the day, my friends cheered me up and we played at recess and laughed till we cried at lunch so much that I didn't even think about what was going on. Okay, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. To answer your question about talking to teachers, the crazy thing is my mom was the type of person, like her energy, a lot of people just felt that she gave off bad vibes. And I just think it's really crazy because sometimes – she would give me certain looks in public or she would say certain things to me and people would look at me and either like make like make a look with their eyes trying to ask if I'm okay without saying it or like mouth the words like are you okay like are you good and the teacher my teachers knew the type of person my mom was like she never acted like that around people like that because she never wanted to seem like she was that type of parent But she knew sometimes I would go to school with whelps on my arms or legs, like when it was warm out and I would wear shorts, um, bruises on my face. So I feel like teachers know. So I never really spoke to them about it. They just, knowing the type of person my mom was, I feel like they just had a feeling. 
Wow. So I never knew that you went to school with whelps and bruises on your face. God forbid, had I known that. Well, my face, it, that wasn't often. I just remember one time um, she was beating me with a belt, and the belt happened to swipe across my cheek, I think, twice, and it left the well. That was the only time she hit me in the face, and she actually did apologize for that. But she was just beating me so out of control that the belt hit me in the face. Mm. On that, I just have to take a deep breath hearing all of this. So at this time, you know, I have to point out that it's it's funny how you were able to, what I would say, compartmentalize that situation where you are in an intense situation at home, but when you went to school, you could put a smile on your face and be happy and productive and play. And I say that there's some truth to that because I remember when I would bring you around my family and my aunt, you know, my aunt Sally used to say, you know, because we had some idea, you know, I didn't know you were being abused, abused, but I knew that based on my experience with your mother that, you know, it could be a um, uncomfortable situation for lack of a better word. And so, but my aunt used to always say, I am amazed, you know, how Taylor just can keep a smile on her face. And every picture I have or or have ever taken with you, you are smiling and you have one of the prettiest smiles I've ever seen. All your teeth are showing and you can see that there is true sincerity and, and joy in your smile and to be able to separate and come away from that is a sign that you have, you know, just an abundance of resilience because I know if that was me, I'd be madder than the mofo, you know, and it'd be hard for me to compartmentalize getting mistreated, abused and uh, sent to a cold room to eat and wait for my mother to feed me and, and things like that. So now I remember also back then that, you know, after that soap incident, with you know, when she put the soap in your mouth and, and spanked you, I remember, you know, at first I was, you know, just a little, I would ask you, you know, how things going in that house. And I didn't ask you um, that on a regular basis because I was kind of um, discouraged, if you will, by the fact that Dyfus didn't do anything about what you were experiencing during that time because I had made one or two additional calls to Dyfus about things that you had reported to me, you know, on the weekends that I had you that seemed to me to be really bordering, if not over the line on abuse. And Dyfus would say, Mr. Gardner, this is bad, but we, we have, we don't, we have to see black and blue without black and blue. There's not much that we can do. We've spoken to the mother, but without black and blue, there's nothing we can do. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, as time went on, I remember I would always get you, you know, when I picked you up for the weekends, I would say, what Taylor, what is going on in that house? And then I'll never forget. It was in 2014. I asked you, I said, Taylor, what, you know, what's going on in, in that house? And you said, well, Dad, I was playing basketball with some boys 
at at the, at the YMCA. And after that, you know, my mother found out that I was playing basketball with some boys. You know, I got a beating last week. And you said that the beating was last week, but you could still see the blood in your legs. And I was like, what? No, not the blood, the bruises. The bruises. Okay, excuse me. And so with that said, I'm going to step aside and let a promo in. And when we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about what happened after Taylor was playing basketball with some boys at the Y. Have you read any good books lately? Your host, Robert T. Gartner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob, is the author of three great books. In his first book, The Choices We Make, Robert takes a look at relationships to help readers learn how to have a good relationship with themselves before they can have good relationships with others. In his second book, Access Denied, Robert brings an eye-opening perspective about what happens to children and fathers when their relationships with the mothers of their children end on bad terms. Robert explores what he calls child pawn when a parent, usually the mother, uses a child as a weapon to hurt the other parent. Robert provides a let-go lab in his book to help parents find positive ways to resolve their issues in the best interest of their children. Light Up Your Life is Robert's latest book. Robert writes about the fact that we are all born with a special God-given talent. Even though we are all born with a special talent, most of us miss our true calling. In this book, you will learn how to find your special talent and light up your life so that you can become the person you were born to be and live a more fulfilled, purpose-driven life. Books are available at barnesandnobles.com, amazon.com, and Robert's website, relationshipreadiness.org. Thank you, and back to the show. Okay, welcome back. Well, when we left off before the promo, I was talking to Taylor about what happened after her mother found out that she was playing basketball with with some boys at the Y? Now, what's interesting about a girl playing basketball with boys is that that is how their game improves because, you know, the boys, we're not cutting the girls any slack. If you get on the court, <laughs> then we're going to treat you like one of us. And so if a girl can play and she has the will to to survive on the basketball court, then, you know, she will step up and her game will improve. And so before we continue with Taylor's story, I just want to um, acknowledge her and give her uh, a round of applause for having the courage once again to tell a, a very difficult story. And this is a story that hopefully will, you know, help her get through this this whole experience because you know child abuse sex abuse any type of physical abuse those type of experiences are hard to get over but the best way to get over them is to talk about them and if you if you don't want to talk to somebody professionally then it's a good idea to talk to somebody personally talking is always good so Taylor, i want to thank you for your courage once again for being willing and courageous enough to to take to tell your story. Okay, so now as I was saying, you were playing basketball at the Y with some boys, and I guess that happened the Sunday before I was supposed to 
pick you up for my weekend. Mm-hmm. And so now we fast forward. It's my weekend. And based on, you know, all the turbulence in that house that you had been, you know, sharing with me pretty much biweekly, um, you know, I got to the point where I was asking you every week intentionally saying, Taylor, what's going on in that house? Because I wanted to know that you were safe. And so this particular weekend, I picked you up on a Saturday and I asked you, do you remember, do you remember this? Uh, I rem- I don't think I ever forget that, that whole story. So, okay. So I said, Taylor, what's going on in that house? And you said, um, so basically I was playing basketball with boys. We have a, I had a YMCA down the street from my house. That was like the place where me and my friends went after school. We played basketball there every day. It was just something we did to have fun. Like we used to go there every day. It would be packed with everybody from my middle school, the high school. It was just someplace for us to go and have fun. And she used to tell me that she didn't like me playing basketball with boys, but I loved the basketball so much. I always wanted to get better and I just loved to play. And they always wanted me to play with them. And I knew she was at work, so I would always play. And plus my coaches, my trainers used to tell me and used to tell the um, my whole team, actually, if y'all want to get better, working out is good, but playing with boys is going to improve your game because they're rougher, faster, stronger. So if you get used to playing with boys, playing with girls is going to be easy. So I did what my coaches said. And I went there one day. It was, I believe, a... Oh, it was the maybe I think on Monday or Sunday before the weekend that you came to get me and she was at work and I always knew that she would come to get me. But I always knew what time she was coming. So I always knew when to stop playing with them so that she didn't catch me. But on this one day, she got off work early and I was playing. And I know I remember I turned around to go down the other side of the court and I saw her standing at the door and my heart just dropped. Mm. So immediately. I got off the court. I got my stuff because I already I already knew what it was. So I got my stuff. We left, and she was silent the whole time. Usually she'll say, I don't even remember. Usually she'll say, like, little stuff to me, like, when we get in the house, do this or do that. But she didn't say not a word. And the YMCA was down the street from my house. Literally, you leave the parking lot, you drive straight for, like, three minutes, and you make it right, and my complex is right there. The whole the whole ride, she sped through every light. When we got in the house, I just remember she said, get undressed. And when she said that, I already knew what that meant. So I was in my room, and I took my pants off. I took my shirt off, and she grabbed probably the thickest belt that she had in her drawer. And I remember she, it just felt like she was beating me for hours. Like it, I just felt like it was never going to stop. I was screaming, crying. I was trying to run to my window because the way my complex was set up, it was set up like the letter U. So if I was to open my window, I could see the other side where the other people stayed. So I remember while she was beating me, I was trying to run to my window to pull the blind backs and yell so that someone can see what I was going through. But she would either grab me by the shirt or the arm. And this probably, well, actually, no, this was the worst beating that I ever got. And, it had to last about 10 minutes, and that doesn't seem like a long time, but getting hit with a belt for 10 minutes straight is is hell. And I just remember my legs were so sore. After she was done, I just laid out on my bed crying, and my legs were bleeding. I couldn't. I didn't even have the energy to get up because I spent so much time trying to run around and break away from her. 
and I just was I was just devastated. Wow. And this yeah. was all because I was playing basketball with boys. And I know people probably think like, well, you should have done what she said, but that's not that's not the case with her. Like stuff was never that serious for her to do the things that she did to me. Like, yeah, I could have listened to her, but any parent who supports their child is especially in sports wants them to be the best that they can. And I know that if my dad saw me playing basketball with boys, he would be happy. He would tell them, don't go easy on her because he know it would make me better. It would make me better. But with her, if it wasn't her way, it was no way. So, Wow. Well, that's a very unfortunate story because, the, you know, the proving ground is the basketball court. And for a girl, the proving ground is the basketball court with some boys with some boys on it. And so just to kind of bring this story, you know, full circle, I just wanted to say, so now it's my weekend and I, I pick tail up and I say, you know, Taylor, what, you know, what's going on in that house. And she tells me, well, dad, I was playing basketball with some boys last week and, um, I got a beating, um, you know, for playing basketball with some boys and, you know, the wounds are still open, you know, on my leg. And so I'm like, what? So, you know, I said, when we get back to the house, you know, I'm going to give you some shorts. I want to, you know, to put on these shorts, so I can take a look at your leg. And so that's what I did. And I have to tell you that there was, Still blood, you know, oozing out of some of the open cuts on her leg. And it looked like somebody drove a Michelin tire over her leg. It was it was not a good sight at all. So at that point, I called Dyfus. Dyfus comes. Not only did they see black and blue, but they saw red also. And they said, Mr. Gardner, you know, that's all we need to see. And so at that point, you know, things happened. I had to go to court, emergent hearing, so on and so forth. And I was able to acquire custody of my daughter, you know, from the age of 14. And so having her at that time, when I got her, I brought her to counseling, you know, immediately following that to help her process, you know, that's that experience and, and try to help her to get through. And just before we wrap up, I just want to, you know, tell her to share with the audience just, you know, how, how are you doing today? You, you'll be 22 years old in, in January. You're, you know, a semester away, a semester or two away from graduating from college. So how you doing today? Um, I'm doing good. I really can't complain. I have good friends, good family, um, literally everybody in my life. I appreciate them. I love them. Um, they keep me going every day. So. so are you feeling any effects, bad memories, or do you find that, you know, something about that abuse shows up in your behavior? Do you find that you mistreat people or, you know, anybody you're involved with? Like, what do you, what do you think? How, how, like, how are you emotionally in terms of the effect of that? Has it affected any of your relationships with friends or whatever? Um, no, because I grew up on treat people the way you want to be treated. So I would never mistreat somebody else because of what I went through. I would take it as a lesson as basically what not to do. 
I know how what she did made me feel. And the type of person I am, I would never want to make anybody feel like that. I don't I don't want to say I don't like talking about it, but I try not to, in a sense, because it's a sad topic. And I like to make people laugh. I don't like... I don't like to be sad. I like to laugh. I like to make people laugh. Um, I don't have a problem talking about it. And sometimes I actually, uh, it's been so long, I can make a joke about it now. And my friends call me crazy that I joke about it. But, I mean, I'm past it. It's in the past. Um, I wouldn't say it still affects me. I still think about it. Or, like, if I'm in public and I'll see a parent, like, over excessively popping their child or yelling at them it kind of makes me feel bad for that kid because you never really know what's going on in a home so maybe in that sense but anything else I think I'm okay like it's still I still think about it I feel like that's something I'll never not think about but affecting me emotionally not really Okay, just one final thing. For any other child or, or young adult or person who, have, who has experienced child abuse, do you have any uh, advice or thoughts that you could share with them to help them get through this? Um, you, you just got to put yourself first. I spent so much time not I spent so much time not speaking up or speaking out or talking to people about it, and I probably could have left that house sooner. So as much as you may not want to leave your friends, because when I got taken out of her house, I grew up, those are the same friends I've had for all 14 years. That's a long time to have the same friends. Uh, we went to all the same schools together, same elementary, middle school. Um, but you just have to put yourself first. It's not It's not worth staying in that environment. It's, it's always someone out there that's willing to help. So if you are going through that, I would just say speak up. It's okay to be scared because I was scared because at the end of the day, you have to go. You're the one that has to go back to that house, and no one understands that. But the more you speak up about it and make other people aware, the faster that you'll be safe. And I can say that when I got taken out of her house, I never felt so safe in my life. I never had to worry about getting beat on for no reason when I came home from school. I knew that every day I came home from school, I could eat when I wanted. I could watch TV. I could just relax. And I've never felt like that for as long as I've lived with her. So I just felt at peace. So if you want to feel at peace, you have to put yourself first. You, That's all I can say. You just got to put yourself first. Well, thank you very much, Taylor, for having the courage to share your story. And hopefully this story uh, has helped and will help others who have experienced this. As I said before, talking is always good. If you don't talk about it, you will act out about it. Thanks again, my friend, for tuning in to Station B.O.B., where you listen to learn how to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. Remember, love is not a word. It's an action, and it's not supposed to hurt. Until the next time we meet, I'll talk to you later. Peace. As we wrap up this show, I hope this topic helped you to grow. And now you know a little bit more than you knew before. If you have any questions about this topic, please email me at changeagentrtg at gmail.com. 
see my website, relationshipreadiness.org. To learn more about my counseling, consulting, and educational programs related to life, love, and work. Finally, in the words of the late, great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., if I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he is traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. Until we meet again, do the right thing when nobody is looking. Peace, beloved.